Welcome to Bloom, the podcast where mums share their unfiltered birth experiences. We hope that by listening to their stories, you feel empowered and inspired wherever you are on your own journey. Welcome to Bloom. Amelia's first pregnancy was a bubble of blissful ignorance. She didn't try to absorb all the information out there and trusted that her body would know what to do when the time came. In contrast, being more aware of what happens during birth as well as what could go wrong meant that she struggled to relax in the same way second time around. She felt increasingly anxious as the due date got closer. A close link between mind and body defined both experiences. Although both labours began naturally, it was as though her brain needed to fully relax in order to let her bring new life into the world. Her contractions only started when childcare was sorted for Joshua, and her waters broke when she had made it safely to hospital and seconds after she told her baby, it's time to come now. Motherhood has provided Amelia with the deep sense of purpose she knew she needed, but didn't expect to find her. Becoming a mum, it turns out, is the wonderfully unexpected solution to a restlessness she'd been grappling with for some time. Hi Amelia. Hi Katie. Lovely to have you here. Um, must be quite strange the shoe being on the other foot. <laughs> yeah, this feels very strange. Feel a bit nervous. Well, let's start in the place where we're all comfortable with the first question. <laughs> what is your name? What do you do in life? How old are you? Uh, where do you live and who is in your lovely family? <laughs> um, my name is Amelia, I'm 31, I live in Paris, I work in marketing and my family includes my husband Rob and my two sons Joshua and Harvey and Joshua is 16 or 17 months and Harvey is six weeks old, Okay. just so about. Very, very new still and all very fresh. So well done for finding some time in all the craziness. <laughs> Thank you. It was hard to leave the house this morning. I had a mini meltdown. But Well, I will just say for everyone's benefit that we always said we wanted this to be a thing where people could listen into a conversation over tea or wine. And so because the only time in the day when mums get time to talk is about 10 in the morning, we're currently having a Christmassy Bucks fizz. And I'm really excited to delve in. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so tell me, um, right back at the very beginning, how did you and Rob meet? What's the story there? Mm, so we were at uni together and we happened to end up living together because there were 12 of us who then split into two houses. So we lived together though not knowing each other and um, we kind of quickly became best friends and then at some point we both realised that we meant a lot more to each other than just friends, I guess. And it all kicked off and that was almost 10 years ago. Wow, so was that at the end of university then? That was uh, like midway through really. So we were living together, so it was quite intense. And then we got married two years ago, just over two years ago. Okay, so were you always on the same page with children? How early on did you start talking about it? Oh my God, I feel a bit embarrassed answering this question actually, <laughs> because I obviously have to be honest. So I 
I always knew that I wanted kids fairly early. And in my head, that was... I think you often know your parents. My par- my mum had um, my brother, who's a year older than me, when she was 26. So in my head, that always felt like, mm. you know, the age that you have children. Which is quite young by today's standards, Yeah, it feels like. Yeah, exactly. So it, we weren't that young. I had Joshua when I was just 30 or just... No, just before I turned 30. And the significance of that was because I always said to Rob in our relationship almost more provocatively than anything to try and gauge how he felt because he was a bit of a closed book mm. um i always said yeah yeah no i want children before i'm 30 okay anyway we we managed to do it so he he always wanted children as well you know i think it's just i probably thought about it a little bit more than he did probably a bit sooner than he did mm-hmm. um can you pinpoint a moment with when it changed from this is a nice idea to this is a reality that we're now actively working towards that was a very poignant moment because it wasn't actually about having children it was when I realized he was serious about proposing to me Mm. and because I'd always said this thing about 30 I remember we were having like a hug or a kiss or a cuddle or something one day and he sort of stepped back slightly looked at me and looked me in the eyes and said kids by 30 like in this like nodding his head and him repeating that back to me it was like my stomach did like an absolute backflip. Mine just did as well. <laughs> because it was no longer this hypothetical thing that yeah. I was sort of half joking about. It was, okay, I'm in. Mm. And that that actually felt terrifying to me because as much as I'd been the one saying it, it didn't feel real. We sort of stopped not trying to have children mm-hmm. fairly quickly. Um, but we kind of assumed it would take a while and then it happened quicker than we thought basically can you talk me through the process of realizing that you were pregnant because that's you know especially if it was quicker than you thought it can be quite a strange realization and kind of yeah yeah, talk me through talk me through what happened yeah I'm trying to remember but I um it was when we were all working from home because of covid and so you know when you just have a feeling that something's different in your body and I was really excited so I think I just went and got one I had the test and I just melted like crying I just sort of I remember like sinking to the floor and just kind of being in disbelief but in the most wonderful way like this kind of overwhelming like happiness and slight terror and just overwhelm basically and I was Mm. just in tears but it was what it was lovely and so exciting and then I thought, how am I going to tell Rob? He was at work and I didn't want to tell him over the text. And he came back from work and I, in the meantime, had taken a second test. I had this little box and I put both of them in the box. And of course you did a really sweet thing. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to be that person. <laughs> I don't know if Rob would call it sweet, to be honest. But he came back and I was really excited to tell him. I remember I was kicking in the kitchen, but he came back in a terrible mood. Aww. And I thought, oh no, he's had a shit day. I can't just spring this on him right now. Like I've got to do this like when he's recuperated from the day slightly. So I remember we had dinner and I was like really struggling to talk about anything. Um, had dinner and then we were sat down just chilling on the sofa afterwards and I I was like I can't wait till tomorrow so like I don't know if he has the capacity for this right now but I've got to tell him and so he did and I remember him just he did not understand what was going on at all he opened the box and then he just stared at it for a long time and I don't know if it was like a fully positive reaction you know I think it was overwhelmed for him as well Mm -hmm. and just very slowly the cogs turning and 
you know, happy but overwhelmed. I think it's so hard for the dad, isn't it? Because despite the positive pregnancy test and the fact that it's a very physical thing being quite disjointed as an experience for the woman, Mm -hmm. it must be immeasurably more so for the dad when they know it's not happening in them it must feel so intangible yeah 100% and I think he you know obviously I had had some signs and then chosen to get the test whereas it's really sprung on them Mm. um you know very quickly he sort of got got excited and got into it Mm -hmm. so what was the process obviously you're in France so did Mm. you know what you needed to do in the medical perspective I did not have a clue you know it's kind of daunting under any circumstances I get but I did not have a clue how it the system worked here or anything I went to the gynecologist very quickly and it was cool because she or she had an ultrasound scanny thing mm. so I think I was a couple of weeks or three weeks or something and she was able to look and check um and so I walked away with that little piece of paper and it felt so it felt real yeah um which was just so exciting and I have those I have that little like egg picture and then she said we'll come back in a few weeks because obviously we don't know what will happen in these few weeks like often you know miscarriages happen very early very often Mm. Um, so I went back a few weeks later and have that evolution to like a just tiny little embryo as well so Mm. that was very cool yeah and what um what symptoms were you having physically at this Mm. point I had, um, with Joshua, I had, you know, not bad nausea, I'd say, on the scale of things, but I had very, like, low-level, consistent nausea, Mm -hmm. and then I had a few days where I was just vomiting, like, for 24 hours, Mm -hmm. but they were kind of spread, they were really random days, um, over the course of the first trimester, I don't know what caused it, but Mm -hmm. those were, those were terrible, um, but broadly apart from that it was okay but the other thing that I had in that first trimester was I had just some really like dark days Mm. um I think when hormones must have just been going wild really just feeling low just horrible horrible uh, you know in your head days and at first that really threw me because you want to feel excited and happy and you start having these dark thoughts about like oh you know not ready for this mm. like kind of the spiraling thoughts of do I even want this like why am I having these horrible feelings you know I can't really remember how often that happened but I started recognizing it for what it was which was just these isolated days where I just clearly was having a bit of hormone craziness okay. um, it was nothing that lasted um, but you know that that I wasn't really expecting so at the beginning that felt quite disorientating and not very nice yeah and especially during the first trimester which is a very strange time anyway because yeah. you're in this kind of I want to get excited but I don't feel like I can yeah. you don't really know who you're allowed to talk to about it even though I feel like we are getting a bit better at that as a generation yeah. but yeah that sounds like a lot to be dealing with in your head and and so did you at this point in the first trimester I mean did you have to decide on the hospital that early on or were you keeping your options open no I think we did um because especially where I hoped to give birth which is where you had a wonderful experience they are kind of very they get booked up very quickly and so they kind of recommend you do it as soon as possible so as soon as I had that piece of paper from the doctor I signed up and what was your kind of philosophy if there was one around birth about that experience and what you kind of wanted it to be like for you if anything 
I don't think I had strong opinions about a lot of things. I think probably what defined Joshua's pregnancy was really a lack of knowledge and um, blissful ignorance. Mm. And I was okay with that. I didn't try and absorb all the information out there. I kind of feel like more than anything with Joshua's, I just really went with my gut mm. and I and I was okay with following that and I, I I don't know I think the only feeling I really had was the mum's role in like decision making and I really just wanted to listen to my body on the day and how I felt on the day mm-hmm. um, I knew they'd have everything for me there and so I kind of felt okay with that I don't mm-hmm. think I had kind of pre you know I don't, I don't I've never known anyone with babies to be honest mm-hmm. um, I was learning this for the first time and so that also meant I didn't have opinions about things particularly and I think that felt quite liberating and so I could just follow follow what my body was feeling like. That's amazing though because it could have sent you completely the other way in mm, a way maybe. and I think a lot of women maybe want want that but they don't maybe know how to get to it and I yeah. think um, blissful ignorance sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah it was honestly and it kind of feels um, the whole Joshua's birth was zen you know mm-hmm. um that kind of feel pregnancy and birth and i'm surprised by that as well but it, it was lovely mm. so you decided on the hospital what was the care like in the lead up to the birth did you have formal preparation with that hospital yeah so i think for the initial few months i was seeing my gynecologist every month which was really nice and reassuring and knew that everything was ticking along and then at some point i started seeing an independent uh, midwife okay. um, who did answer some questions that I had and not all of them because I really wanted some someone to give me kind of risk analysis on yeah. a few questions that I had and no one would give me facts so I found that a real problem and that was including the hospital mm. you know I wanted to know what's the likelihood of something very severe happening and therefore you not being able to cater to that um, yeah. or you know in this scenario if something really bad did happen where would I be taken or you know I wanted some hard facts and almost numbers and no one can give that so they were very good at I I feel like I was seen very frequently and I felt very supported in knowing that the baby was great they would um in the last few months especially scan me every time I saw them Mm. um oh no it was it, it would be a heart rate monitor I think they did yeah but you know I felt really supported medically and that the baby was good but I didn't feel like I got the facts that I wanted, yeah. um, which could have been better, I think. Um, and to be fair to the medical professionals, I think that that is a failing, not so much on their part, but rather like the information, information, sorry, just feels really difficult to access for yeah. everyone yeah. involved. Yeah. And while there are some people out there that are doing a good job of kind of reading through all the literature and trying to make sense of it, it doesn't necessarily help you in your specific hospital context where yeah. you want to know the numbers for you not just generally yeah a hundred percent and and so I guess you're never going to get that level of specificity but yeah the one thing I did find was this book by Emily Oster and I talk about it with everyone now called expecting better and that is the one place where I found the level of factual information that I wanted like analysis like critical analysis of the facts and figures yeah. as much as they exist She'd present the findings to you. Here are all the medical studies that have been done. Mm. Here are their strengths. Here are their weaknesses. Here are the gaps. You know, effectively, you decide how you feel, therefore, about the risks that you're taking. 
and you need that I think the nuance is so important and so often especially in France I think it's almost a different set of things that seem to come to the mm. fore of what everyone talks about that you are and aren't allowed to do yeah so especially if you're the first person kind of navigating that I found don't know if you did as well that it kind of cropped up halfway through my pregnancy that someone would talk to me about a new thing that yeah. I hadn't heard of yeah and something that you know people in England would never have mentioned or you know I, I remember someone not being served ice cream or someone telling me that their what um, yeah someone's friend had not been served ice cream in a bistro here because the waiter was like you can't have ice cream and you're just like oh my god like I've got That's to add ice cream to the list like what <laughs> and on the prep side was Rob doing anything specific to kind of support you during the birth do you remember we did a hypnobirthing course okay it wasn't necessarily that I used all the tools in in labor but it really helped us both get connected to what was happening Mm -hmm. and to each other before the birth we started feeling like we were in this together because of that course which was really wonderful Mm. um the one thing I do remember was there was kind of a meditative exercise which is trying to help you get into that uh, almost hypnotic space. Like the partner had to read, or you know, one of those scripts that kind of is walking you into that state of mind. And I remember doing that with Rob and it being this really lovely moment for us to share and it really working, to be honest. Mm. And, it, and because it was him doing it with me, I felt so relaxed and it felt very intimate and you know obviously very silly at the beginning but then actually as he carried on reading it I did sink into this wonderful like safe space mm-hmm. and I remember it be I remember exactly the safe space that it was it's this walk in the Lake District where my parents live and my grandparents have always been um, walking up cat bells and mm-hmm. I had done this walk on my own one day it was like my favorite walk to do on my own and you get to this huge tree in the um the story that he was reading you know you're you are the tree you know it was all meant to be very symbolic of your strength and stability and that your power to get through labor mm-hmm. and afterwards i remember saying to rob oh no 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 like you were the tree oh. and i was sat <laughs> leaning on the tree and next to the tree and he was like no you got it all wrong like, you're meant to be the powerful one and and, and actually i got it all wrong and obviously like it doesn't matter either way but it was just this lovely moment where yeah. like we, it just whatever whatever it was like we were in it together mm. and it was very special to share that mm. and so much of the i mean the birth itself is such a blip on the nine months or yeah. however long it is yeah and actually the the psychology behind that day is so much more than just the 24 hours or whatever precedes it so it's amazing that you guys had that so on the day itself did you have a kind of mental list of what you needed to be looking out for in terms of the first signs no and again that was very different to then harvey's birth because Mm -hmm. i was really like trying to grasp it all mentally no like with joshua's i don't I don't know what I was thinking, like, now looking back, because I didn't have a clue. But I felt really okay with that. I really Mm -hmm. felt trusting that my my body was just going to tell me, and I would know. Okay. And I really, um, it seemed, it baffled me then when I was pregnant with Harvey, because I was like, what did I do last time? And, like, Mm -hmm. how was I so relaxed? Um, And I don't know the answers, to be honest. I I guess I just felt like everything would be fine. Um, And luckily... Um, there wasn't this kind of drawn out 
process like my first sign was waters breaking okay so it was obvious <laughs> so I didn't have to kind of and where were you when that happened um we'd gone out for dinner with friends that night um and I were you in there yeah <laughs> yeah how could I forget <laughs> yeah so we got out for dinner we'd walk there we walked back I started getting like feelings I remember saying to Rob I was like is this contractions or am I just like really gassy <laughs> it's so weird that thing I feel like I've heard lots of women now talk about this thing of like I just kind of knew mm. but we kind of can't put our finger on yeah. as in like gassy is not something I've necessarily heard anyone <laughs> say yeah. but like I feel as though the early labour thing is really difficult to put words on yeah. and very often it's an instinctive thing actually yeah. it feels yeah. like I, I, and exactly I felt like something was happening and something was different I couldn't pin, pinpoint that it was contractions and labour starting mm. So we went to bed about 11 o'clock or something. And then it was about 1.30 in the morning that I felt my water partially breaking. It wasn't this big dramatic thing, but I just, I was asleep and I felt this kind of pop, I guess. It's a mm. weird thing to say. It wasn't a noise, but it did feel like a pop. Yeah. Um, and so I knew what was happening. I went up to the bathroom and um, sort of checked what liquid was there and it was like clear. And then I went back in, woke Rob up and told Rob. Oh, what did he or, say? Or did I call him? I think I, basically when I told him, he went white oh. and then looked like he was about to faint. So um, he he was stressed, but it was funny. And I was like, no, it's okay. You carry on sleeping. I had it basically immediately. I started getting contractions, but I was like, this is manageable. I can okay. go with this. Yeah. And so I was like, you sleep. We're gonna need it. Carry on sleeping as long as you can. Um, and I got in a bath and spent the next like few hours in the bath I think okay um, wow were you, what were you doing to pass the time yeah I think I was I think I was like religiously um timing the contractions oh. uh, which just sounds really not very nice like I, I, did, I, I was relaxed but um you know I kind of felt up for it and yeah. I was ready that nervous energy kind of driving you a little and bit adrenaline I guess yeah yeah and then it was so that was happening until about five in the morning and it was about five or five thirty so like four hours in I guess that they really ramped up in frequency um and a bit in intensity but mainly frequency so it was suddenly they were coming every like three minutes or so two or three minutes wow okay and so then we panicked then I think at that point I got robbed because I was like I thought when it's two or three minutes that means the baby's coming Mm -hmm. Now I know, because I've talked to a midwife about it, preparing for Harvey's birth, that that was just irritation of maybe the baby's head getting into my cervix, she said. Okay. Um, And I think when you have your waters break, that can create that, irritation is the wrong word, but can cause those quick contractions. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any of this at the time. So um, we went to the hospital at about 7.30 in the morning. Okay. At which point they examined me and they said, yeah, you're a centimetre dilated. So literally nothing's even started. How did you feel when they told you that? (laughs) To be honest, not not very much, like, because I was just struggling to... They were, you know, they were every two or three minutes consistently from then on. So, like, I was just bridging them and so I didn't have any capacity to... And I was starting to get really tired. Mm -hmm. They didn't turn me away, which I know, like, a lot of places might. Right, So that was really nice got settled in our like 
we had our own private room. Turns out that was the room, the the delivery room. So it's not like we even had to move okay. from one room to another, which was really nice. Yeah. So they must have known that you were, despite being only, quote unquote, one centimeter. They must have known that you were on a kind of upwards trajectory, perhaps yeah. from the way you were to put you straight in a room that you could deliver in. I guess so. Like this lovely midwife, like looked after us all day, and basically I managed um, without pain relief till about 11 11 30 so it had been 10 hours wow. since it kicked off yeah but by that point I was like done in mm-hmm. I was just exhausted and like in the meantime like I, they had a bath that I got into at one point um which was nice for a little bit they gave me some gas and air at some point which did absolutely nothing like, oh, wow I wish like I I was excited I thought this will you know this yeah. will help me get through another few hours not at all and so it was just the tiredness was building mm. and the intensity was building so did they offer you anything mm. else or were you kind of the one that was asking for the I things? was asking okay. and I think that might be their policy as well they, they'll, they've got everything there but they they wait for you to want it mm-hmm. and to ask for it by 11 11 30 in the morning I was like screaming for an epidural and I always think it's really funny now because like I was packing my hospital bag um, getting ready, knowing that they had these baths that you might be able to use. And I remember thinking, oh, should I put in like a little swimsuit? Like, Which <laughs> swimsuit should I put in to like wear? And, and obviously in the moment, I was just this like naked, like <laughs> screaming, like ogre with zero like inhibitions. And like, obviously no one cares. And yeah. least of all me, like what I was wearing at the time, like you're just like in this primal state. Yeah. And I just think about that now and think, God, you didn't have a clue what was coming. Like, <laughs> You do not need to think about these things. Well, you have a lot of time on your hands in the days and weeks leading up to yeah, giving birth. <laughs> anyway, and then um, I got an epidural then at about 11, 11.30 and um, that changed everything. Okay. <laughs> it was wonderful. Oh, do, you know, do you remember how long it took to kind of take effect? Yes, because um, I went from this like screaming mess um, and you have to sit cross-legged on the hospital bed and they ask you to curve your back. And that was actually something I was really nervous about in the mm-hmm. build-up. That was probably one thing I was really nervous about because I've had instances before where local anaesthetic has not worked and I've had like a procedure done anyway, um, a minor procedure, but basically it traumatised me because someone didn't check that the anaesthetic had worked and it hadn't and they did the thing anyway. Oh gosh, that so, sounds horrible. Well, yeah, so it was quite horrible. So I was terrified that that might happen while I was in hospital. So I... Because when they give you an epidural, they give you a local anaesthetic in your back. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they were perfect. They, they're such professionals. There was zero reason for me to worry, but like it all went smoothly. Mm. But while I was in this crazy state, the epidural starts working basically immediately. Oh, wow. I, I had been having the gas and air as well. That was like right up until then. And so basically, the combination of epidural starting, the gas and air kind of maybe finally kicking in because that was going on at the same time, me being a total mess... I had this total out-of-body experience (laughs) where I, like, floated away from myself and then came back into the room, like, and I was, like, seeing myself on the bed. I was, like, high as a kite, basically, (laughs) seeing myself. And then, so it's, like, immediate and very powerful. And then after that, you know, it died away and I just felt very relaxed and Mm. happy and, like, a different woman. The dream. The absolute dream. And there... Um, the great thing about this hospital was that they had what they call a walking epidural which you talked to me about which I thought sounded amazing which is 
you have an epidural but it's a very low dose and so you still feel everything that's going that's going on you just don't feel the pain it was absolutely that and I could then relax I could still kind of feel what was going on in my body but it wasn't really painful so I slept then for like the afternoon oh wow um that's amazing it was very comfortable and we kind of settled in and it was wonderful and so how obviously they left you to sleep but was anyone kind of coming to check up on how things were progressing given that you were then no longer feeling the pain yeah so I think they came in every so often to um, check my cervix and you know we were progressing so there was no worry they also because you're if you're on an epidural you can't go to the toilet properly necessarily and so or maybe because I was sleeping maybe both um so I had a catheter in so obviously it's more medicalized so I had a catheter and so they come and like relieve that and okay what was Rob doing while you were asleep do you remember does he remember <laughs> he went out to get some like sports drinks because you can't eat and stuff once you've had an epidural but you're really in need of energy and so I just I think you're allowed isotonic drinks mm-hmm. so he went and got those and he put some little electric candles all around our room so it was all you know we turned the lights off and it was all dark and very zen mm, and basically lovely. from when we had the epidural it was like this wonderful zen experience from then on mm. and then what happened to kind of shift the mood into it being time for you to start pushing did someone tell you that or did you kind of despite not feeling the pain did you get a sense that it was becoming more imminent somehow I did but um they told me first so they said I think they they told me when I was at 10 centimeters or when I was about to get there Mm -hmm. so that was about uh, maybe 9 9 30 at night so then they said okay when you basically we're going to deliver you at 10 o'clock or 10 30 I can't remember but they gave me a specific time they were like you're going to be ready and that's when we're going to start having you start pushing and you know they were impeccable timing because I started getting the feeling of pushing as that happened or just before maybe 15 or 20 minutes before and I started getting really uncomfortable and that was obviously him being ready to come. So they they know their stuff. Like, it was wonderful. Mm. Um, and I remember saying to the midwife, I was really nervous that the epidural wasn't going to carry on working. Yeah. Because um, I started getting all this pressure and feeling. And I remember saying to her, like, it, it, it hurts. I'm in pain. And she looked at me and she was like, is it pain or is it just because a baby's coming down your cervix? You know, <laughs> you know like, the I pressure of him arriving. And... It made me stop and I was like, oh, no, 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 you're right. It's just there's a baby in my cervix. Like, you know, it's not pain. It's just really uncomfortable. Yeah, that's really helpful though, isn't it? Like it sometimes just takes someone to say something really simple, but that just helps you to reformulate it yeah. in your mind. 100%. Because then it was like, oh, no, you're right. It's not pain. Mm. And this is absolutely fine. Um, one thing I didn't expect was they put my like legs, I was kind of... I had like a stirrup situation to help open my pelvis because I think he was a fairly big baby. I don't know on the grand scheme of things, but they um, sort of so had my legs opened, but like on the sideways, like vertically. It was just to help yeah, open, okay. help the process, I guess, and open for the whole pushing phase. No, beforehand. Okay. So got into position, which was like standard position on my back. Like I wasn't bothered about, you know, that felt fine at the time, um, yeah. so I didn't feel like changing. And I remember them saying, uh, there were two two women, I had Rob holding my right hand and my right leg, another midwife with amazing eyes above her, like COVID mask and my <laughs> lashes. I remember just thinking, my God, like, 
you are beautiful. Um, <laughs> anyway, her on my left side and uh, holding my left leg. And then the lady who was delivering Joshua. And that lady, and they were all just amazing, like, coaching me. Mm. And just kind of getting me hyped and, like, motivated. And at one point, uh, Joshua's heart rate was really dropping. Okay. Um, and I remember the lady, like in between my legs just looking looking at me like really kind of seriously but like intently but kind of powerfully in the eyes and just saying okay Joshua's heart rate is dropping we like you have to push like Mm. you have to get him out now and it was so motivating that she said that um because I don't know where this like force came from but he was out like the next push wow Um, and it just gave me that motivation to Mm -hmm. just give it everything yeah i haven't really asked you this about the lead up but i think it's sometimes especially powerful in this moment because it's so carnal around the whole language barrier and whether Mm. that was an impact because you said that they were kind of coaching you through obviously they're doing that in french yeah but like what were they doing specifically and and did you find that there was a bit of a language barrier somehow Uh, actually there wasn't there was when i was struggling with the pain earlier in the day and with the epidural and Rob says it's the only time that he's had to translate for me because, you know, it dropped off. Like, my ability to use my brain at all, it really was carnal, like you said. In that moment, actually, it was very calm. Um, It wasn't at all the same. Um, And so it was all in French. They they gave me the energy, and I remember looking at Rob, and he gave me so much in that moment as well. Um, You know, just in his eyes, and he was just saying, you're doing so well. Um, <laughs> trying not to keep saying every time we get goosebumps but it's so powerful well, yeah and, and you know it was really it was a team effort and yeah so she told me his heart was dropping next push I think his head started crowning and she said do you want to feel him and I, and I was like oh my god Like, and Rob had a look and he was like yeah he's coming oh. he's coming um, so I, I felt and that was really motivating as well it was those kind of things that really helped me keep the energy up yeah um so I felt him coming, that was amazing. And then uh, next push, she said, um, do you want to pull him out? Wow. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> How do I get my hands there to get him out? And I was like, no. <laughs> and that just felt completely like, how is that even possible? Yeah. No, like he might fall off or he might not. Um, anyway it felt like then I didn't pull him out but it was then this kind of Lion King moment of like getting him handed straight to me in my hands in between my legs and then like lifting him up and they helped me but like you know I lifted him over and onto my chest and it was was just like it was amazing it was magical and the most wonderful moment I remember he started crying immediately which was reassuring and then I started humming this little song that my mum always hummed to me and he stopped crying immediately and it was just this like yeah like I felt so powerful in that moment like my body but also I just felt like his mum and I was like this is amazing yeah that's just a really lovely anecdote that I didn't know about about the song was Rob um Rob was crying was he I wasn't crying I was too like hyped and adrenaline and happy to cry Mm. there were so many feelings but it wasn't tears for me but Rob was in tears and we were just then in this little bubble the three of us were you uh, aware of any of the kind of physical 
exhaustion, but also like kind of how you were feeling about like the post-birth stuff was it was that kind of fit featuring anywhere on your mental it wasn't until I was like ow so I tore when he came out and um not badly but um I didn't so then they were like stitching me up oh the placenta came out um which was fine I didn't really like they showed it to me and I was like cool but Mm -hmm. like that didn't register very much but then they were stitching me up while we were having our nice cuddles and things and then I was suddenly like like mm. I can feel that is that meant to happen yeah <laughs> um, and you know it was fine but so then I became aware of like the stuff but it was fine I think I had like two stitches and and how was he doing did he have once overs from the hospital was he happy and healthy and he good? was happy healthy and robust like from yeah. day one I don't know if he was a particularly big baby but like he he did well we were we were kept in the hospital for eight days though which sounds like a huge amount because I know in mm. other places you you get kicked out but here you stay in, in for at least three days okay. um but because he had jaundice he um they kept us in for eight days okay and he had to have phototherapy and I think now looking back I think that was all tied up in feeding because we basically had a total nightmare with feeding mm. um with with Joshua where I Similarly, like, with the other stuff about having a baby, like, I didn't have strong opinions about breastfeeding beforehand, so I hadn't really prepared in any way for that. And then when I gave birth to him, I suddenly really wanted it to work and to breastfeed, and I I wasn't expecting it. And then tried. Didn't have a clue what we were doing. Um, And as it turned out, he was latching, like, badly. And so then my, over the course of the next couple of days, like, I think you know, your milk's not coming in until day three or four, so I think we're kind of doing okay. Mm. My nipples start getting absolutely ripped to pieces because I guess he's not latching properly, and at some point, I think it was his his second weigh-in, maybe on day three, he had suddenly lost a lot of weight, mm. and I happened to have a, quite a brusque midwife that day, unluckily, and I do forgive her because she told everyone in the room that a wild boar had hit her car that morning. Wow. Um, Like, I do forgive her, but she was in a bad mood. And so she weighed him and um, went, like, overreacted and didn't handle it well, from my perspective. She kind of went, this baby has lost a load of weight. Gosh, okay. Looked at me, kind of, what felt like accusing me. And then kind of saying, you know, how, how are you feeding? And I said, breastfeeding. And, and I remember her kind of going, again, quite brusquely, okay, let's see, let's see if you've got what, what's needed. And like physically then, you know, pressing my boobs, like hand expressing to see if anything was coming out. And this is in the room with like lots of other people as well, mm-hmm. um, which just didn't feel good at all. And then colostrum was coming out. So obviously you know he'd not had any of that for the last couple of days because it was only that very initial colostrum okay um and she kind of went we've got to get you onto a breast pump like immediately okay um sent me back to my room I burst into tears Mm. in Rob's arms like I wish he'd been with me in that moment uh because I just felt like a failure um and horribly guilty that it wasn't working but I was lost like I had no idea what I was doing Mm. um and then we started, uh, yeah, expressing, and he started getting what he needed. But obviously, by that point, he'd lost some weight, and the jaundice had started to set in. So I think there are two types of jaundice. I've been told one from birth, and one that is related to feeding. Okay. 
gosh there's so much to say about the whole feeding topic I feel yeah. like it's an, a whole other conversation in some ways yeah. um but well done for I guess just trusting your instincts and and I want to I guess say just I don't think you should feel guilty for going with the flow and trying to follow your yeah. own instincts because there's nothing to say that if you had done anything differently in the yeah. lead up and like we'll talk about Harvey but yeah. um you know a mother's instinct is the most valuable thing and you shouldn't feel bad for yeah. for relying on that. And I, and I do think, you know, there are lots of things you do talk about in preparation, but I do think breastfeeding was not a big enough topic mm-hmm. or feeling generally and how hard it might be. I know for some people it's not. I had no idea the, the labyrinth that actually it is mm. or it could be. It makes birth seem simple in some ways yeah. because at least that's linear, whereas yeah. breastfeeding can be this total yeah. kind of up and down, round and... And also the birth is like a drop in the ocean, really. I, I kept thinking, why has no one spent more time on this? This is actually the job, mm-hmm. not the not the birth. The job is like the months that come after the birth yeah. and it's really hard. Um, and in those weeks following when we got home... Um, the thing was, at first, I was really reassured by expressing because I could see what he was eating mm-hmm. and having had that fear that, oh, God, he's not eating what he needs to, that was really reassuring. And also it meant that Rob could really... We had a much more equal partnership in this, which I liked, where he could help with some of the feeding and be more involved. And But then, I, th- I don't know, like, it, pumping was just not a very nice thing. <laughs> I didn't have a good experience with that at all. And basically by a month you know I'd had mastitis I you know I'd gone back to the hospital with a fever and not feeling well because I obviously wasn't keeping up with my I was almost like probably over pumping and creating an oversupply and then not pumping enough because I was exhausted and so that kind of cycle that you've got to be ahead of yeah it all was going wrong basically and we were spiraling out of control especially if it's not a choice that you have kind of made proactively a hundred percent I remember the day I had to go to hospital to um, check if I was okay um, and leaving Joshua, I just felt like the biggest failure mm-hmm. because I just felt like I can't look after him. I am not coping. Why am I not coping? I should be able to cope. This should be okay. Mm-hmm. All of these shoulds, which are really horrible in your head. Um, and I was just absolutely devastated getting out the door. Mm-hmm. Um but really, I just needed help um, and yeah. more support from people who knew what was going on to yeah. kind of intervene and get me out, get us out of that spiral. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, not to trivialise that journey at all because I know how complex and difficult it was. But Joshua is now a thriving one and a bit year old, yes. and he's probably eaten too much, if anything. So, <laughs> in response to all of that, it's very well. I have an amazing memory, by the way, just of um, those early days where he was being bottle fed partially of just the sort of past the Joshua who'd been fed so much yeah. <laughs> and there was like a ticking vomit bomb of like when is all this milk just going to come out of this and, and your husband got the the nasty surprise remember yeah. Yeah. um okay so when did you two, having had this beautiful little new baby that came into your lives and turned everything upside down, yeah. when did you feel ready to start talking about having another one? 
we had we found some kind of um, like calm I think around six months and so you've experienced becoming a mother now what was different for you going into this second time around did it change anything in terms of your philosophy or approach I probably thought I'd have a more difficult time of this second birth irrationally there was no reason for that obviously but that is how I felt I was more nervous and I knew the things that might go wrong you know I've learned a lot about birth from doing it myself but other people doing it as well and hearing stories over that you know the past year and so I was more nervous yeah that's interesting and do you think on the day itself that carried on as well and I'm interested was it very similar or despite having that previous experience was it very different the second time around what happened what were the first signs I um, had much longer build up this time I started in the few weeks before I started getting what I thought was contractions those feelings and then I kind of said okay that must be contractions and then um, you know this really like low heavy feeling mm. that maybe I just hadn't noticed the first time so I could I there were more signals to me having gone through it once before and recognizing them and then the day maybe the two days before um labor yeah Harvey was born I started getting proper contractions but you know that didn't get more frequent that didn't get more intense and and died away Mm. um so I thought okay things are building but that might carry on for like days or weeks so like who knows yeah um and then what I what I did find amazing with this um birth was that I it felt very psychological Mm. I was extremely nervous that who about who was going to look after Joshua um and we were really lucky because um my brother and his wife came and stayed for with us for two weeks Amazing. around the window that we thought it might be but obviously we had no idea two weeks is a long time but it's also not the longest time yeah. frame that it could have been in. yeah exactly and so I was really nervous about is he going to arrive at the right moment um and interestingly the day that labor really kicked off was the day that we finally had all the pieces kind of fall into place Mm -hmm. i.e my brother was already with us but then his wife arrived so there were two of us two of them sorry so i knew they'd be okay Mm -hmm. looking after a toddler that was the day we finally kind of finished packing the hospital bag it was the day i finally got the last result from a blood test that you know the pharmacy the lab lab had messed up so i um got that there were there were a few things that fell into place on that Sunday and and it was that evening that I started getting contractions properly Mm. and I just can't help but feel that it was because I was in that mental mentally safe place that I was kind of then my body was kind of going okay this is all right now we Mm. can go for it it really felt like that Um, because that's what they teach you in the hypnobirthing course isn't it about how other mammals need everything to feel yeah. safe so that their body's ready and yeah I know what you mean when you say that you can't help but feel because you feel like it's somewhat fatalistic to say yeah. those kinds of things but I think they're most it's biologically proven yeah you know? I think so and that worry about your other child is so overwhelming mm. you know if you're worried about their safety how can you relax into bringing new life into the world I don't know that is how it felt yeah yeah so that evening it was the Sunday evening um, all of that night I had 
contractions every maybe 10 minutes for much of the night okay but then it wasn't building I thought it might be ha- like tonight and then it uh, kind of mid like maybe two three in the morning they kind of died off and so the next day I started getting sporadic contractions that were much more intense and the intensity was building over the day but the frequency wasn't it was felt completely random okay and so we then went about our day as normal went to the park with joshua um it was a gorgeous day walking around every time i walked i kind of went oh god is is he about to fall out like he did feel (laughs) like he was ready to come out but you know i'd had that feeling for a little while the the frequency we started building and so then i got into the bath um, Matt and Izzy took uh, Joshua off for a walk in the park because I didn't want him to be around and to get stressed by anything going on if he was worried about me um, Rob sat next to me reading Pride and Prejudice um, and you know we started like relaxing into it still I thought well it might be now it might not be I wasn't in the mindset of this is like happening now um, got out the bath after a little while had a cup of tea uh, in bed together and uh, I remember Rob saying, okay, I'm going to make you another cup of tea and get some Jaffa cakes. And I was like, yeah. Um, he said, but you've got to go and go to the toilet because you've not been for a while. Oh, and that was one of the things, cakes. yeah, that was one of the things that I'd put on the lists that I'd put on the wall, like things to do in labor, like Amelia, Rob, like the, this time with Harvey to get my head into it all. I'd really like written everything down and tried to, you know, it was all up there on the wall by the front door. What? what we need to grab last minute, like what we need to pack, what what I can do, what he can do. Thinking about it now, you know, I, I still wasn't thinking this is labor, but he obviously was, he was watching me and he could see that things were kind of building. And then when I stood up, the contraction started okay. really intensely and basically then didn't stop. It was then kind of like go mode. Okay. And I kind of looked at him and he was timing the contractions. They start getting really frequent every like five or six minutes. They weren't going away. And then we realised that Matt and Izzy had left with Joshua, but I had stupidly left my handbag under the pram ah. with all my most important documents in that you have to have to be able to be admitted to the hospital. And so everything had gone really smoothly, except that we didn't know where they were. Oh. They hadn't told us. And we didn't know when they were coming back. And... They weren't picking up their phones. I was about to say, we do live in the 20th yeah. century. <laughs> and for the next half an hour, 40 minutes, I was increasingly knew that we had to get to the hospital ASAP. It was really progressing quickly. And, you know, you just have that feeling. Mm. Um, but in the nick of time, Matt came running through the door, threw my handbag at me. Um, we all went downstairs. I managed to give Joshua a quick kiss goodbye. Aww. Burst into tears because I didn't want to leave him. I knew that they were going to be amazing looking after him, but I just I was going to really miss him. I knew we were going to not see him for at least a few days, possibly, or you know. Mm-hmm. And then jumped in the taxi. Taxi starts going the complete wrong direction, and this is like at um, Paris rush hour. Oh gosh! When you don't want to be having more contractions than you need to in a taxi. And I still thought, I remember saying to Rob in the car, well, I feel a bit silly. Like, what if they turn us away because it's not, it's not happening. Um, got there and I remember getting out of the car and suddenly um, having huge contractions. I was leaning against the wall and I couldn't walk in and um, I was like, okay, you know, this, this is happening. Yeah. 
and I went upstairs and they did the little pre-admission chat I had to go and do a little checklist they ask you some questions and one of the questions was how much pain are you in are you in pain Mm. and I remember kind of saying yes I'm in pain but I, I was in much more pain, like, just now. Like, I'm not I'm not in loads of pain right now, but I was just in loads of pain. I was worried they were going to send me away. Uh-huh. Um, so I was trying to justify, you know, I, I am in labour, I promise, sort of thing. They left the room to go and get my, my folder or something. And when they left, I remember standing up and saying to myself, okay, it's go time now. Like, you, you, can, you can come. At that moment, my body just relaxed and my waters broke. Wow. And again, I just really, it felt so psychological, like almost like I'd been holding him in. Yeah. And then I was just letting my body go and do its thing. And I could feel, they talk about in preparation, like kind of breathing down during the contractions. And I did that, you know, I kind of embraced the contraction, breathed into it and down and the waters just broke and he started coming. Wow. From then on, he, he basically arrived like within an hour and a half two hours from that point um and given that I didn't even know I was in labor until then basically Mm. um yeah it was all it was all very quick and very smooth from there goodness me that's yeah I find that is really fascinating the absolute almost polar opposite experiences of these two pregnancies one way you would just like in your words blissfully ignorant and kind of just taking each sensation as it came and then the second one where you're fully in control so much so that it's dictating the the moment when your waters break it really felt like this connection between my mind and my body which Mm. I've never felt before and would never have thought until it happened Mm. um did you have pain relief for that yeah so I um from then got into the room and settled in and I knew I wanted an epidural you know I, I was still I thought well I'll see how I go on the day but basically when it started happening I kind of went god I remember this this is <laughs> this is horrible um and so you know when I got there they came in and I said I'd like an epidural they said great luckily they did it all very quickly and as as she's doing it I can kind of feel that we're on the brink of me of it being basically too late because I can feel him like starting to really push down and come out I guess mm. you know half an hour later I'm kind of lying there and uh, Rob and I are just settling in because the epidural is like working and we start chit-chatting we haven't decided on his name yet and <laughs> so we thought oh we've got you know hours ahead of us to um, settle in and have a good debate about what this this little man should <laughs> be called and then a few minutes later then I start getting this huge sensation of pushing mm-hmm. um but at the time I thought I might just be pooing myself <laughs> I said to Rob I think I might be pooing myself and he said do you want me to look and I said no <laughs> no way um but I'll ring the button just so I want to check so the nurse comes in checks. she said no, no no everything's fine but your baby does seem to be on the monitor not very happy with you in this position so I'll just check how you're doing Oh, sorry, and I missed a point. When I first came in, they checked how far along I was, and again, I was only two centimetres. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, early days. So that's why we thought we'd had hours ahead of us. Yeah. And then we're talking about literally no more than an hour later or an hour and a half later, um, she checks me. She said, yeah, he doesn't seem totally comfortable. Let me just see how you're doing. And checks me, and she said, okay, to Rob, please could you press the button? <laughs> um, yes, you're 10 centimetres dilated. And I can feel his head. So when you're ready, please push. 
Wow. And we were like, what? I wasn't in any kind of position, but then I just basically pushed one time and his head came out. Wow. And I went to push again. She was worried there might be something wrong or because she told me that he wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. I was I was really worried that something was wrong. And so I pushed like mad and she was like, whoa, 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 calm down. <laughs> um, asked for scissors. The team came running in. It was all, obviously it was like, it was all happening in about two minutes. Yeah. The team comes rushing in and I didn't know what that was for. Mm. Um, and which was kind of terrifying. So I was like, is that for me? Like, is that for the baby? What's going on? Yeah, turn- this doesn't sound like a friendly thing in that no. moment. <laughs> no. Um, but it turns out she was kind of like, stop, stop, slow down because the cord was wrapped around his neck. Mm-hmm, okay. And so she then was going to cut the cord and ask Rob for permission if that was okay. And he said, yes, just, you know, make sure he's okay kind of thing. Okay. Um, she slowed things down and um, unwrapped him. And I pushed then one more time and he was out. Wow. So there was basically two pushes and he was straight out. And what position were you in in the end? You said it wasn't <laughs> like so, a... I, I guess I had been lying down on my back. So it was somewhat that, but I was, you know, a bit like contorted or it was a bit, <laughs> I can't remember. I had my legs sort of slightly bent and okay. there was no preparation. He just sort of flew out. Um, <laughs> and then he was on me and he didn't start crying straight away. And I just, I was so scared he wasn't okay. I was, because I feel like he'd been getting, getting squashed or something. So I kept saying, is he okay? Is he okay? Is he okay? Is he okay? And no one was answering because I guess they didn't know either. You know, yeah. they'd run into the situation, didn't know what was going on. Um, and they did the kind of towel thing. He was on me and rubbed him um, to kind of get a response. And then he started crying and they were like, he's okay. You know, everything's fine. And and everything was wonderful, basically. Oh. And, and then I was just incredulous. Like, you know, two minutes ago we were sat here having basically a cup of tea and everything changed just and it was unbelievably cool (laughs) (laughs) did you feel empowered by how fast and how natural in a way it was yeah and just excited and happy and just yeah incredulous was the word I guess Mm. you've got some photos of me in that moment and my eyes are just kind of wide with surprise and happiness it was wonderful that's so so amazing <laughs> and when on earth did harvey's name get decided oh it was a few days later <laughs> there was a lot of debate oh, i love that thing like the first time you actually have enough time the two of you is in yeah. labor yeah <laughs> and then you didn't even have that <laughs> yeah that's so life right now <laughs> so i guess i just want to ask because the reason we brought this podcast into being was to give mums a space to ask all the questions that they wanted to ask and have no questions be unanswered is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wished you could have said or you wished you could have asked someone else at this point I guess there are just practical things and it's some of like the gory details that don't get spoken about I suppose what I found really helpful was other mums telling me a hearing other mums stories Mm. so you got a sense for the variety of experiences but also other mums just telling me what they found helpful. So, for example, um, taking those big granny nappies into mm. hospital with you because yeah. you're going to be bleeding afterwards and quite heavily and they're the most practical thing. They're so unglamorous, but you're going to absolutely need them. Um, you'll probably get hemorrhoids, like take cream in with you or something that's going to help that. Yeah. Um, that first going to the toilet experience is terrifying 
but for me personally went better than I expected. I was absolutely terrified because I thought, God, well, especially I tore both times, you're gonna have, like, God knows what's going on down there, but it was actually better than expected. And a bit of useful advice my midwife told me was um, to, for that first toilet experience, kind of have your knees as high as possible and kind of lean forward so naturally your kind of I guess your colon or whatever is like it's extended mm. um, so you're not having to force anything for the first month make sure you do not push at all down there mm. um, to protect your pelvic floor which is obviously like really fragile and or damaged yeah um, all the prune juice <laughs> yeah all the prune juice you need all the fruit um, I remember they gave me a prune compote on the first they? day in life with a newborn with Marlo and I remember thinking I really don't want this, but I really do want this because yeah. I know that it must be really good for me. Yeah, there's a good reason why yeah. they're giving it to me. I think it's all of those unglamorous, practical things. Yeah. That lanolin nipple cream, you know, trying to feed Harvey again. I had exactly the same feeding experience with Harvey, except this time I felt much more in control of it and it wasn't traumatic at all. Literally, it was the same course of events. Mm. Bad latching, like I had the second morning like this nipple explosion of blood while he was oh, feeding gosh. um you know it's it's a horrible thing it's not nice to talk about and it's not nice to experience but these are the things that happen and mum's talking about them really helps i i basically for all that kind of uh unglamorous not so nice side of things there's the most wonderful side of being a mum that also doesn't get enough airtime i think because it's easy to talk about the tough things and you're exhausted but I was surprised. I think I was really lacking purpose and I was looking for purpose for kind of many years um, before becoming a mum and I didn't know that I was going to find purpose Mm. and my purpose in becoming a mum and I think that has been the most wonderful surprise um, of the whole experience and I really didn't expect that and it's the most wonderful thing because... I, my brain used to feel like it was on overload, kind mm. of overthinking, overworking, you know, us, you know, endless circles of questions and life and what is it and what am I doing and what's my place in it? And all of that has been quietened by becoming a mum and I had no idea that I was going to find that wonderful peace and calm through this. And That's beautiful. That's been a wonderful, mm. wonderful thing. Oh. Okay, so one last question just to finish with now you've had these two really different and almost <laughs> geometrically opposed different <laughs> different pregnancies and births is there any one thing if you could talk to yourself in that moment when you found out you were pregnant that you think would have reassured you more going through it all I think probably I know it's easy to say but like everything is probably going to be okay Mm. Um, especially that second pregnancy there was no reason for me to feel I was relaxed for the first one for a bizarre reason but I wish I'd trusted my body again as I had with Joshua in Harvey's pregnancy there's no reason why because the first one was okay that the second one was not going to be okay as well Mm. Um, I don't know where that anxiety came from and telling myself that you're not alone in it whether that's the pregnancy the birth or afterwards I think it 
it can be really lonely being a mum and being on maternity leave. Yeah. And knowing that you're not the only person doing it, but encouraging myself to reach out more to whether that's medical staff, mid midwives, other mums, everyone's going through challenging moments and, and you're not alone in experiencing them. Especially in the hardest moment, which I think is when it is hardest to reach out to other people. Do it, do it, do it, do it, because it will help. Mm, yeah, no time for shame. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, I loved that. It was a great way to spend some child-free time. And it's probably time we check in on our husbands. <laughs> yeah, let's see, see what chaos is going on back home. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Today marks episode 10, the last story in our first season of Bloom. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Stay tuned for our dad's special Q&A episode coming up soon. And after a short break, we'll be back with season two. In the meantime, please get in touch if you or someone you know would like to share your story. We'd love to hear from you. Take care and see you next time.